that we water it, we speak it, and we do it. In Jesus' name, amen. Philippians 4. Do not fret, verse 6. Or have anxiety about anything. But in every circumstance and in everything, by prayer and petition, definite requests with thanksgiving, continue to make your wants be known to God. It says in the King James, and be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplications and thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace, God's peace shall be yours, that tranquil state, I'm reading out of the Amplified, verse 7, of a soul assured of its salvation through Christ, and so fearing nothing from God and being content with its earthly lot and whatever sort that is, that peace which transcends all understanding, shall garrison and mount guard over your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. But if you notice, he says that we have to be careful for nothing or do not fret or hang, have anxiety about anything. <clears throat> Excuse me. But in every circumstance and in everything by prayer and petition, definite requests with thanksgiving continue to make your wants known to God. And God's peace shall be yours. So we have to not fret or not have anxiety. We need to be careful for nothing. But in every thing by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your request be made known unto God and the peace of God which passes all understandings shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus and then he goes on to say finally brethren whatsoever is true whatsoever whatsoever is worthy of reverence and is honorable and seemingly, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely and lovable, whatever is kind and winsome and gracious, if there be any virtue and excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think on and weigh and take account of these things. Fix your minds on them. So he's telling us what our mind should be fixed on. Remember in John 10, 10 it says the, key, the thief Satan comes not but to kill, steal, and destroy. Jesus said, I came to give life and life more abundantly. So we are to fix our thoughts on life and life more abundantly. If we fix our thoughts on the things that kill, steal, and destroy, it will drain you and cause you to have cares, of the, allow you to have the cares of the world come on you and you will not be able to walk in that peaceful state that is promised here by Jesus, okay? And it says, finally, brother, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. 
And he says, those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. He's saying, Jesus said that he leaves his peace with us, not the peace that the world gives, but his peace. And after studying the epistles for the last two years, two or three years, I really honed in on Paul's life. And one Paul, the one thing Paul said he did was forgetting the past. How do you forget the past? You have to confess your sin and move on, forgetting the past. And what does he say? He said he is pressing forward to the mark of high calling, but you've got to forget the past. That's where 1 John 1, 9 comes in. And so... If you're not allowing yourself, if you're fretting or you have anxiety, the enemy can creep in at that point and get you to think on the things that are opposite of what he is saying that we're to think on here. He gets you to think on things that kill, steal, and destroy the thoughts of the evil one. Amen? And so I'm going to teach on, on some of these things today. In Proverbs 14.25, let's turn there. Through much prayer, I felt that I was to do this at this, at this time. And um, I talked to Pastor about it, and he said, yeah, he agreed. And so we need to understand some things. Before we turn there, just keep your little thing they give you here in your Bible. I think mine is gone. Nope, it's there. You know, this little ribbon. Just stick it in there if you want to. But we're going to go to Proverbs 6, 16 first. You ever wonder what that little thing is there for and there's only one of them and you want to keep your place in many of them? Then you get some stickums and work it that way. <laughs> Okay. These six thing the Lord six things the Lord hates, indeed seven are an abomination to him. So these are six things that you don't want to do. Okay? And the seventh thing you definitely don't want to do. A proud look, that spirit that makes one overestimate himself and underestimate others. A lying tongue and hands that shed, shed innocent blood, a heart that manufactures wicked thoughts and plans, and feet that are swift in running to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies even under oath, and he who sows discord among his brethren. That seventh one is, I mean, they're all an abomination, or he says seven are an abomination to him. The one that sows discord amongst the brethren. And there's a lot of that in the body of Christ today, and it's sad. I've seen it happen so many times. So I'm going to teach this morning on the defilement of an evil report. The problem, what causes conflicts in family, churches, or organizations, or even at work, to flare out of control and split the entire group. 
What causes close friendships to be broken when neither party offended the other? Why are attempts to restore a fallen Christian brother or sister often met with defeat? It's because of a bad, unscriptural advice. In Proverbs 14, 25, True witness delivereth souls, but a deceitful witness speaketh lies. In the Amphite, a truthful witness saves lives, but a deceitful witness speaks lies and entangles and endangers lives. Not only speaks lies, but endangers lives. A major cause of wrong responses to an evil report Definition, an evil report involves distortion of facts, incomplete fact, or false information with no scriptural foundation. This is the major cause. It is given with wrong motivations and causes the hearer to come to inaccurate conclusion and to respond with unscriptural solutions. Evil reports are so destructive that they can even destroy long-lasting close friends. So we look at Proverbs 16, 28. A perverse man sows strife. And a whisper separates close friends. In the Amplified, or in the King James Version, in Proverbs 16:28, a, a forward man soweth strife, and a whisper separates chief friends. You know, the Bible says where there's strife, there is every evil work. So you certainly do not want to be one that's going to be sowing strife. Wrongdoing should never be covered over. It must be brought to the attention of those who are responsible and dealt with in a scriptural manner. This necessary process will be damaged by the defilement of an evil report. Let's look at some stages of defilement here. In the medical world, there are stages in the development of disease. In the same way, there are stages of destruction to a spiritual, healthy person. And we see more and more and more of, us, of this in the times that we live in, unfortunately. Number one is ignorance. Ignorance of preventative measure to avoid contamination. Hosea 4, 6. Let's turn there. We all know what it says. My people perish. My people are perishing for a lack of knowledge. Come on, Hosea. 
almost to the end. <laughs> He's over here by Habakkuk and Nahum and Micah and Okay. Hosea 4 6. You should have this underline in your Bible, amen. If you don't, I went into Joel here now. Okay, Hosea 4 6. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee. And thou shalt be no priest to me, seeing that thou hast forgotten the law of God, I will also forget thy children. That's a heavy thing. So my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. The reason why people today are falling into different doctrines is because of a lack of knowledge. So how are people defiled? How do they get themselves when you see a Christian that was so on fire for God at one time and then you see a complete change in that person. Exposure to one who is already infected. These are stages. One is ignorance. Number two is exposure. Sounds like a sickness, doesn't it? Number three, contamination. Defilement by allowing the germs to enter our system through our ears. Remember Jesus said, watch what you hear. Watch what you hear. Number four, infection as the germs overcome our normal defenses. It's like an infection. Number five, disease when the infection destroys vital life supporting functions. So in the medical world, these are the stages and development of, of a disease. In the same way, these are stages of destruction to a spiritually healthy, person. What are the stages of defilement? Ignorance. Satan will get an advantage over us if we are ignorant, ignorant of his devices. 2 Corinthians 2.11 I know some of you have heard this before, but Trust me, it'll do you some good to hear it again. Did me good to go over the notes. Second Corinthians two eleven. Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. It says in the Amplified, to keep Satan from getting the advantage over us, for we are not ignorant of his wiles and intentions. Like I've shared many, many times, if you have a weak spot, you ever, you know, when you go on a road, I always ask pastor, please drive on the, the passing lane because the big trucks usually drive on the, on the right side of the road. And so there's pits in the road and every time they hit one, it 
it wears a little more and a little more and a little more. And then all of a sudden, then you have a hole. Well, this is what happens when we allow the enemy to come in and begin to work with our minds. And he will try to gain an advantage over you in areas that you are ignorant of his devices. So like I've shared just recently, if there are areas that you know are weak spots in you, you need to shore those things up with the Word of God. You need to take the Word of God and apply it and speak it forth out of your mouth. You know, you believe more, the Word more when you speak it than when someone else speaks it. Ephesians 6, 10, and 11. I'll be really honest. I've heard things um, recently that I never ever thought that I would ever hear of people thinking of doing. I figured we'd hear those things or hear about those things or not even know about those things. Those would take place after the rapture. He says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. It says in the Amplified, in conclusion, be strong in the Lord, be empowered through your union with him. Draw your strength from him, that strength which his boundless might supply, provides and supplies. Put on God's whole armor, the armor of a heavy armed soldier, which God supplies, that you may be able successfully to stand up against all the strategies and the deceits of the devil. God's promising us that if we do this, we'll be able to stand up against anything, anything that comes our way. Amen? That's exciting to me. For we are not wrestling fl with flesh and blood, contending only with physical opponents, but against depositions, against powers, against the make master spirits who are the world rulers of this present darkness, against the spirit forces of weakness in heavenly supernatural realm. So God is telling us, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Be strong in the Lord. You know, when you come up against something that you have resist, resisted and resisted and maybe you've fallen in before and you know, here it is again and I need to resist in it. Know this scripture and know it well. I am strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And devil, you can't touch me. I refuse to cave in 
to these circumstances and, the, and these situations. Why? Because I'm strong in the Lord and the power of his might. You have to keep that before you continually. You know, if you slack off, there, you, there is not a time to take a vacation or a day off in serving the Lord. You all understand that? Every day there are certain things that you need to do to prepare yourself in him to take on that day. Because every, every day has something new out there. James 3, 6. These are how to deal with these circumstances and these situations so you will not be contaminated by a defilement of an evil report. I don't know about you, but I want to know these things. We're to walk strong and in the power of his might. We've been seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We're to, we are to speak forth the authority of, of, that Jesus has given us here on this earth. We're not to be running from the enemy. We're supposed to be beating him in every circumstance and situation. James 3, 6. Thank you for that. One amen out there. Hang on, I'm in Ephesians. Praise the Lord. It says here, talks about the tongue now, and the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. And so, the, so is the tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. I'm going to read it in the Amplified. And the tongue is a fire. The tongue is a world of wickedness set among our members, contaminating and depraving the whole body and setting on fire the wheel of birth, the cycle of man's nature, being itself ignited by hell, Gehenna. So we need to realize that what we speak out of our mouth continually we will become. And so we have to really tame this tongue that is very, very hard to tame. But if your spirit and your mind line up together and you learn how to cast down imaginations and reasonings and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ, you know, that takes time to do that. It takes time to take every thought captive. And as you do that, you are leading these things away from you instead of drawing them to you. But when you begin to speak forth the situation, when you begin to speak forth the problem, let me tell you, the enemy's right there on the scene. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. When in any two agree is touching anything on earth that shall be done on my Father which art in heaven. Well, do you realize when any two agree in the negative... what situation you're placing yourself under. My Bible says, and yours does too, that when we judge someone, that we will be judged doubly. And a lot of people run around and they're rebuking Satan. They're trying to figure out what's gone on in their life. Well, somewhere they've judged someone and spoken it forth out of their mouth, and now they're being judged doubly for it. It's, it's a law of sowing and reaping. 
We need to understand that. There's laws of sowing and reaping. Okay, the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. It defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature. A, ignorance of how words destroy close friendships. In Proverbs 17, 9, he that covereth a transgression seeketh love, but he that repeateth a matter separates very separates friends. You know, a true friend, you can trust them no matter what, not to speak anything. I will tell you, if you ever tell pastor something or or me in counseling, and I don't run and tell pastor about it unless I have permission or it's something that he really needs to know. If you tell him something, I don't hear about it. You'll come to me and say, did pastor tell you blah? No. He doesn't. Be ignorance of how the unclean defile the clean rather than the clean influencing the unclean. More people that hang around with a group of sinners, if you're born again, I'm, we're, let's talk about a brand new baby Christian. They cannot hang around with those people that they used to hang around with unless it's to witness to them and lead them to the Lord. But if you hang around them too long, they'll suck you back in. That's why it's so important to have fellowship, a church that's, that speaks the word that, where there's fellowship. If you have an opportunity to ha go to a fellowship at church or a, a dinner or something with a group of sinners, choose church, please. <laughs> so in Haggai 11.14, or 2.11, I'm sorry. Thus says the Lord of hosts. I, gotta get, I have to go there. I thought it was completely written out, but it's not. You get the page yet, dear. What? You can help me with pages. How's that? It'll make this a lot quicker. I need to get a new Bible. This one's wearing out. Okay, Haggai. Two eleven through 14. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Ask now the priest concerning the law, saying, If one bear holy flesh in the skirt of his garment, and with his skirt doth touch bread or pottage or vine, wine or oil or any meat, shall it be holy? And the priest answered and said, No. Then said Haggai, if one that is unclean by a dead body toucheth any of these, shall it be unclean? And the priest answered and said, It shall be unclean. Then answered Haggai and said, So is this people, and so is this nation before me, saith the Lord. And so is every work of their hands, and that which they offer there is unclean. That's pretty heavy, isn't it? Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Now ask the priest concerning the law, saying, if one carries holy meat in the fold of his garment and with the edge he touches bread or stew or wine or oil or any other food, will it be holy? The, pr the priest answered no, and Haggai said, 
It goes on to say, as what I just read, if ignorance is what constitutes an evil report, it is an unauthorized or distorted false report which influences us to form an evil opinion about another person. You know, we're not under the law. I mean, when you look at this, when you read this, how easily it was to become unholy from just touching something. Well, there's certain things, church, we should never touch. There's certain things, you know, the Bible even says that we shouldn't even talk about the things that the wicked do in darkness. I mean, we need to, you say, well, that's getting pretty out there. If the word says it in the New Testament, do it. Amen? And the Old Testament also. But a lot of people say, oh, that's the Old Covenant. I don't have to be part of the law. Well, they've already, you know, they're taking the Ten Commandments out and just rip pages out and whatever. But especially in the New Testament, because a lot of people will fight you to the, to the end. Well, that's old, old covenant. Well, God said it. He meant it. He meant it for a reason and a purpose. So ignorance is what constitutes an evil report. Ignorance, number D, B is ignorance. I'm going to, I have to go back here. I am very sorry. I haven't given you A, B, C, and D. So you're lost. I apologize for that. I want to hurry through this, but A is ignorance of how words destroy close friendships. B is ignorance of how unclean defile the clean rather than the clean influencing the unclean. And that was in Haggai 2, 11 through 14. C, ignorance of what constitutes an evil report is an unauthorized or dis distorted false report which influences us to form an evil opinion about another person. D, ignorance of how evil reports are given. Evil reports are communicated by words. Get this because you'll understand body language has a real important part in this. Facial expressions, gestures, tonal patterns. They can be subtle or obvious, quiet or angry, sweet or bitter. E, ignorance of who gives evil reports. Giving bad reports is a part of the fallen nature of every person, the carnal nature. Have you ever had someone tell you something that you didn't know about a person and you never even thought about, about that and then all of a sudden you see yourself looking for that in a person? You ever been there? Two of us have been there. I think we've all been there. The best thing to do right then and there is well, I'll get to that, but is to look at that person and say, are you willing to go to that person with me and, and share that with them? 
I've done this before, so. The Bible lists four kinds of people who give evil reports. Ready? Four kinds of people who give evil reports. A whisperer. One who secretly or privately passes evil reports to others. One who secretly or privately passes evil reports to others. A gossip. One who mag magnifies and sensationalizes rumors and partial information. One who magnifies and sensationalizes rumors and partial information. Three, a slanderer. One who seeks to destroy another's credibility or reputation with damaging facts, distortions of facts, or evil suspicions. Let's look at Numbers 1436. I'm going to give you that one again. One who seeks to destroy another's credibility or reputation with damaging facts, distort, distortions, or facts of evil suspicions. Numbers 1436. Then the priest shall command that they empty the house before he goes in to examine the disease so that all that is in the house may not be declared unclean. Afterwards, he shall go in to see the house. He shall examine the disease. This is here. Leviticus. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, what are we talking about? Well, we're talking about disease. I'm sorry. Numbers. Where are you? Thanks, honey. I appreciate it. Numbers. That was interesting. I think I'll read that tonight. <laughs> Numbers. I'm so sorry. 1436. Clear out the house. I'm going to go check it out. Okay. And the men whom Moses sent to search the land, who returned and made all the congregation grumble and complain against him by bringing back a slanderous report of the land. Is that the right one? And the men which Moses sent to search out the land who returned and made all the congregation to murmur against him by bringing up a slander, slander upon the land. Can you imagine that just those few men could come back and give a report and change all the people except Joshua and Caleb and Moses. Think of that. That's how bad an evil report can become. 
destroys another's credibility or reputation with damaging facts, distortion of facts, or evil suspicions. Number four, a busybody. One who digs up evil reports and makes it his business to spread them by means of gossip, slander, or whispering. Such an action is as great a sin as murder or stealing. It is classified with these by God when he warns, let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief or as an evil doer or as a busybody in other men's matters. 1 Peter 4, 15. I think there's one in every neighborhood. If you have one, run away from them. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or a sort of criminal or as a mischief, mischief maker, a meddler in the affairs of others, infringing on their rights. That's 1 Peter 4.15. That was now number F, the four kinds of people who give evil reports. Now we're getting to F, ignorance of what motivates evil reports. Why do, what motivates these? Why do people give them? You ever wondered? <laughs> James three fourteen through 18. But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. It's heavy. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of, and the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. How many have known people that just don't make peace? You just know. If 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 you. If you see their name on your cell phone, you go, oh boy. Okay. Hebrews 12, 12 through 14. I hope you're learning something. I would like to tell you we will get over this today, but we won't. I learned one thing, know your enemy and know him well. Once you learn this, you won't be mistaken. Hebrews 12, 12 to 14. Wherefore lift up the hands which hang down and feeble knees and make a straight path for your feet 
lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it be healed. Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Do you realize if we, if we don't follow holiness, we're not going to see the Lord? God is holy. Can you imagine Jesus doing anything that was not holy? Can you imagine Jesus sitting down and watching things that are not holy? Can you imagine Jesus wanting to be a part of a conversation that is not godly, that brings strife? I'll tell you, you want to get, if you want the Holy Spirit to take off, quench, quench the spirit or have strife on the scene. Because where there's strife, there's every evil work. He didn't like that. He didn't like it. This is really interesting when you read this. Ignorance of what motivates evil reports. Number one, bitterness. Reacting because of, of personal hurts. Number two, rebellion. Justifying an independent spirit. Bitterness is reacting because of personal hurts to rebellion, justifying an independent spirit. Number three, deception. Believing that evil reports are right to give. It's okay to give that. So for, it's okay for me to say that. Number five, pride. Wanting to exalt self. Number six, guilt. Justifying past actions or attitudes. And be desiring what, what another has. Bitterness. Reacting because of personal hurts. Rebellion. Justifying an independent spirit. Deception. Believing that evil reports are right to give. Pride. Wanting to exalt self. Guilt. Justifying past actions or attitudes. Envy. Desiring what another has. G. Ignorance of how susceptible we are to evil reports. We enjoy hearing them because they exalt us. They bring down those whom we dislike. It's heavy, isn't it? We enjoy hearing them because they exalt us. They bring down those whom we dislike. H, ignorance of how Satan uses evil reports. Listen to this one real close. To discredit spiritual leadership. To cause Christians to close their spirit towards each other. To multiply, to multiply conflicts and produce more ungodliness. 
And this is a big one, and this is happening today. To prompt non-Christians to mock Christianity and reject Christ. Jesus said, I didn't come to judge the world. I came to save it. Two, exposure. A prudent man in, verse, in Proverbs 27, 12, if you want to turn there. A prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. You know, like I said, everybody has one on every street. I run and hide. I do one of two things. I either confront the situation or run and hide. I don't want to hear it. My way of saying something, is there a reason and a purpose why you're telling me this? And let's go, let's go and talk to the person and find out if it's true. Prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. Exposure is entertaining. This is how you expose yourself to this. Exposure is entertaining into conversation with a person who is a carrier of an evil report. How does God want us to respond? Psalms 101, verse 5. I know this is really serious stuff, but there's a lot of serious stuff out there right now. And we need to be careful and, and protect ourselves. Whoso privately slanders his neighbor, him will I cut off from me. How more powerful can you get? He who has a haughty look and a proud and arrogant heart, I cannot and I will not tolerate. That's pretty heavy. Really. says, a person privately slandereth his neighbor, him will I cut off. Him that hath a high look and a proud heart will not I suffer. Wow. You know, we, we are so quick to judge certain sins that people have in the world. They're sinners. A sinner will act like a sinner. When I was a sinner, I was a good sinner. I had a good time sinning. But when I became a Christian, and I'll be honest with you, I thought a long time about whether I wanted to turn my life over to Jesus because I knew if I did, it was going to have to change. I was going to have to want to change. Okay? And so it took me a while. 
course, I'd had some really goofy teaching on what, you know, Christians were not supposed to wear makeup, and, you know, there was a lot of stuff there that I had, you know, which, which isn't true. And so I thought about it for a long time, because whatever I ever gave myself to, I gave it over 100%, okay? So we need to realize that Jesus means what he says here in verse 5. He will, he said, whoever privileged slanders his neighbor, him will I cut off from me. He who has a haughty look and a proud and arrogant heart, I cannot and I will not tolerate. We as Christians should not look at the sinners and put them down for what they're doing. We've all done it. This is your day to repent, turn it over, and move forward. Because God will deal with it. I know God dealt with me, and I'm sure he dealt with all of you, or we wouldn't be sitting here. Okay? Ephesians 5, 10 through 12. Oh, look how awful they are. Well... There are a lot of nice sinners, I'll just be honest with you, that, you know, there are some unbelievers that are more godly, I hate to say this, than Christians that I've met. I'm being honest. Like pastors says, I don't like to hire Christians because they will put the screws to you. You're all nodding your head or some of you are. That, sh that should not ever be said of a Christian. 510 Ephesians. And try to learn in your experience what is pleasing to the Lord. Let your lives be constant proofs of what is most acceptable to Him. Take no part in or have fellowship with the fruitless deeds and enterprises of darkness, but instead let your lives be so in contrast, as to expose and reprove and convict them. Our lives, our lives should convict people. Our lives shouldn't say, well, good heavens, they're worse than, you know, if, you, if it comes to the point where you can't, hire, you don't want to hire a Christian because you know they're going to put the screws to you, that's pretty sad when you think about it. Your life, people should know you as being good and thoughtful in Philippians 4, what we just read on, what our thoughts should be on. Amen? Let's move on. Take no part and have no fellowship with the fruitless deeds and enterprises of darkness, but instead let your lives be so in contrast as to expose and reprove and convict them. For it is a shame even to speak or to mention the things that such people practice in secret. That's that scripture that I mentioned earlier. It's verse 12. For it is a shame to even speak or of, of or mention the things that such people practice in secret. Romans 16, 17. I appeal to you, brethren. Oh, 
Hang on a minute. I got, got to read my notes to you on the Ephesians 5, 10 to 12. Proving what is acceptable unto the Lord and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. Have no fellowship with. Don't become a partaker with. Okay? That includes TV, what you, movies. I'm going to just be real blunt here. People aren't going to like it, so what, why not? Don't partake with what the world has to give. If you walk in a movie and there's a witchcraft or occultism or what, get out of there. First person I ever cast a demon out of had gone to see the exorcist. And at that time, I didn't really know what I was doing. And so it was growling and snarling and carrying on. We don't allow that anymore. And I will tell you, there's a lot worse out there now than there was with the exorcist. Okay? And this person was a Christian, by the way. Okay? Oh, boy. Romans 16, 17. And I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned and avoid them. That's pretty heavy. Mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned and avoid them. Paul was really good at that. I appeal to you, brethren, to be on guard concerning those who create d dissensions and difficulties and cause divisions in oppositions to the doctrine, the teaching, which you have been taught. I warn you to turn aside from them to avoid them. That's pretty heavy. You know, Paul went about just marking people, naming names. Maybe if that happened in the church today, it would, things would be a little different, you think? 2 Thessalonians, I'm almost done. Get ready to do your, um, to do communion, honey. 2 Thessalonians 3, 6 through 7. Are you learning anything today? This should help you at work if you're in charge or if you're, you know, anywhere. This should help you anywhere you go. Come on, Thessalonians. I thought it was nice that the T section was all put together. Okay, second, second Thessalonians, th th <laughs> Thessalonians 3, 6, and 7. Almost prayed in tongues there. Okay. I'm reading this out of the... Um, Amplified. And I want to go up to verse 3 for a second. Yet the Lord is faithful and he will strengthen you and set you on a firm foundation and guard you from the evil one. So let's look at verse um, 6 and 7. Now, we, we charge you, brethren, in the name and on the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, that you withdraw and keep away from every brother 
fellow believer who is slack in the performance of duty and is disorderly, living as a shirker and not walking in accordance with the traditions and instructions that you have received from us. For you yourselves know how it is necessary to imitate our example, for we were not dis disorderly or shrinking of duty when we were with you. We were not idle. Nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it, but with toil and struggle we worked day and night that we might not be a burden or impose on any of you for our support. So he says, get away from these people. Why? Because they're trouble. I don't like this. Well, you know, let's look at verse 14. <laughs> you better like it. You better listen up and like it now. It'll keep you out of trouble. T-R-O-U-B-L-E, amen? But if anyone in the church refuses to obey what we say in this letter, take note of that person and do not associate with him so that he may be ashamed. That's pretty heavy. Is it in your Bible? Do you think he meant it? Or he just thought, oh, I'll just write this letter. Just, I don't have anything else to say in this letter, so I'll just add this on here. We have protective physical defenses to warn us about physical contamination in the natural. We can smell it or see it or taste it. Sometimes, however, we are unaware of the contamination until it's too late. In the same way, God gives us spiritual defenses to warn us about spiritual condemnation or contamination. <laughs> we can sense the promptings of the Holy Spirit, follow the warnings of God's word, and obey the wise counsel of our human authorities. Sometimes, however, we are unaware of spiritual danger until it's too late. Praise God. There's a lot more pages to this sermon, but we're going to stop here. Next one will be six ways to detect a carrier of an evil report. If you don't want to come, if you don't want to hear how, although next week's Father's Day, so I'm sure a pastor will be preaching. Ready? Yeah.